Welcome to this reading of the Poem of the Man-God, the private revelation of the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. Now out of print, this five-volume set of books is a narration of the life of Jesus, which extends from the birth and childhood of the Virgin Mary through the public ministry of Jesus, his passion and resurrection, and closes with the Assumption into Heaven. The narration is interspersed with direct dictations from Jesus for the sake of the whole world. These highly inspired visions were recorded by Maria Valtorta around the time of World War II, yet she did not consider herself the author. They were first published without her name shortly before her death, and only posthumously was her name added. My sole aim with this podcast is to share this lost treasure with the world. I hope you will enjoy them as much as I have. And if you do, please share them. Thank you for listening. Poem of the Man, God Book 1, number 104. Jesus in the Sea Town receives letters concerning Jonah. Jesus is in the beautiful sea town, which on the map has a natural, wide, and well-protected gulf with a capacity for taking many ships, made even safer by a massive harbor wall. It must, be, it must be used also a great deal for military purposes, because I see Roman triremis with soldiers on board. They are disembarking, though I do not know whether because they are relieving troops or because they are reinforcing the garrison. The harbor, that is, the port, vaguely reminds me of Naples, dominated by the Vesuvian Mountains. Jesus is sitting in a humble house near the harbor. It is certainly the house of fishermen, probably friends of Peter and John, because I see that they feel at their ease in the house and with its residence. I do not see the shepherd Joseph, and of course I do not see the Iscariot, still absent. Jesus is speaking informally to the members of the family and to other people who have come to listen to him, but it is not a real sermon. His words are full of advice and comfort, such as only he can give. Andrew comes in. He seems to have gone out on some errand because he also has some loaves in his hands. He blushes when drawing near because it must be a real torture for him to attract people's attention to himself, and rather than speak, he whispers, Master, could you come with me? There, There is some good to be done, but only you can do it. Jesus gets up without even asking what is the good. But Peter asks, Where are you taking him? He is so tired. It is supper time. They can wait for him till tomorrow. No, it must be done at once. It is... Why don't you speak, you frightened gazelle? How can a great, big, strapping man be like that? You look like a little fish caught in the net. Andrew blushes even more. Jesus defends him by drawing him to himself. I like him thus. Leave him alone. Your brother is like wholesome water. It works noiselessly in the depths, but it comes out from the earth like a very fine stream but it cures those who go near it. Let us go, Andrew. I'm coming too. I want to see where he takes you, insists Peter. Andrew implores. No, master only. Only you and I alone. If there is a crowd, it is impossible. It's a matter of love. What's that? Are you playing the paranymph now? Andrew does not reply to his brother. He says to Jesus, A man wants to repudiate his wife, and, and I have spoken, but I am not capable but if you speak, oh, you will succeed, because the man is not a bad person. He is, he is, he will tell you. 
Jesus goes out with Andrew without saying anything further. Peter is somewhat undecided. He then says, I will go. At least I want to see where they go. And he goes out, although the others tell him not to do so. Andrew is about to come out from a narrow, thronged street, and Peter follows. He goes round a little square full of old women, and Peter follows him. He threads his way through a large door that opens onto a wide yard, surrounded by poor little low houses. I call it a large door because there is an arch, but there is no door. And Peter follows him. Jesus enters one of the little houses with Andrew. Peter lies in wait outside. A woman sees him and asks, Are you a relative of Ava? And those two? Have you come to take her away? Be quiet, you cackle of a hen. I am not here to be seen. To keep a woman quiet, it's a difficult task, and since Peter casts withering glances at her, she goes to chat with the other old women. Poor Peter is immediately surrounded by a circle of women, boys, and also men, who simply by commanding one another to be silent, make a noise that gives away their presence. Peter is consumed with anger, but to no avail. Jesus, full, calm, beautiful voice, comes from inside the house, together with the broken voice of a woman and the hoarse voice of a man. If she has always been a good wife, why repudiate her? Have you ever wronged him? No, master, I swear it. I have loved him like a pupil of my eye, moans the woman, and the man, sharp and hard. No, she never wronged me except in being sterile, and I want children. I don't want God's malediction on my name. It is not your wife's fault, is she as such? He lays the blame on me, on me and my relatives, as if we betrayed. Woman, be sincere. Did you know that you were sterile? No, I was, and I am, like all women. Also, the doctor said so, but I am not successful in having children. You can see that she has not betrayed you. She suffers for that, too. Will you answer sincerely, too? If she were a mother, would you repudiate her? No. I swear it, there is no reason, but the rabbi said so, and also the scribe. A barren woman is the curse of God on a house, and it is your right and duty to give her a divorce libel, and not to vex your virility by depriving yourself of children. I am doing what the law states. No, listen. The law says do not commit adultery, and you are about to commit it. That is the original commandment, and nothing else. And if on account of the hardness of your hearts Moses granted divorce, it was to prevent intrigues and concubines hateful to God. Then your vice expanded more and more, Moses' clause, creating the wicked chains and murderous stones which are the present lot of women, always victims of your arrogance, of your whims, of your deafness and your blindness to affections. I tell you, it is not legal to do what you want to do. Your action is an offense to God. Did Abraham perhaps repudiate Sarah? And Jacob, Rachel, and Elkanah, Anna, and Manoah, his wife? Do you know the baptizer? You do? Well, was his mother not sterile up to her old age and then gave birth to the holy man of God, as Manoah's wife gave birth to Samson, and Anna of Elkanah to Samuel, and Rachel to Joseph, and Sarah to Isaac? To the husband's continence, to his compassion for his sterile wife, to his fidelity to marriage, God grants a prize, and a prize celebrated through centuries. As he grants consolation to the weeping sterile women, no longer sterile nor depressed, but glorious in the exultation of being mothers, 
You are not allowed to offend her love. Be just and honest. God will reward you beyond your merit. Master, you are the only one to speak so. I, I did not know. I asked the doctors and they said to me, do it. But not one word to tell me that God rewards a good deed with gifts. We are in their hands, and they closed our eyes and our hearts with an iron hand. I am not a bad man, Master. Don't be angry with me. I am not angry. I feel sorry for you more than I do for this weeping woman, because her pain will end with her life. Yours will begin then, to last forever. Think about it. No, it will not begin. I don't want it to begin. Will you swear to me by the God of Abraham that what you say is the truth? I am the truth and wisdom. Who believes in me will have justice, wisdom, love, and peace. I want to believe you. Yes, I want to believe you. I feel there is something in you which is not in the others. Well, I will now go to the priest and I will say to him, I am not going to repudiate her any longer. I will keep her and I will only ask God to help me to feel less the pain of being childless. Ava, do not cry. We will ask the master to come again, to keep me good, and you continue to love me. The woman cries louder because of the contrast between her previous sorrow and her present joy. Jesus instead smiles. Do not cry. Look at me. Look at me, woman. She looks up. She looks at his bright face through her tears. Come here, man. Kneel down beside your wife. I will now bless you and sanctify your union. Listen. Lord, God of our fathers, who made Adam with the dust of the soil and gave him Eve as a helpmate, that they might populate the earth with men, bringing them up in your holy fear. Descend with your blessing and your mercy. Open and fecundate the woman, the womb that the enemy had closed to lead them to a double sin of adultery and despair. Have mercy on these two children, Holy Father, Supreme Creator. Make them happy and holy. May she be as prolific as a vineyard, and he her protector as the elm tree supports the vine. Descend, O life, to give life. Descend, O fire, to inflame. Descend, O power, to activate. Descend. Grant them that for the praise feast, for the fruitful crops next year, they may offer you their living sheaf, their firstborn, a son, sacred to you, Eternal Father, who bless those who hope in you. Jesus has prayed in a thundering voice, his hands stretched out over their bowed heads. The people no longer refrain themselves, and they gather together, Peter in front of them all. Stand up, have faith, and be holy. Oh, stay, master, begged the reconciled couple. I cannot. I will come back. I will be here very often. Stay, stay, speak also to, y to us, shout the crowd. Jesus blesses but does not stop. He promises only to come back soon, and he goes to his hospitable house, followed by a small crowd. Inquisitive man, he asks Peter, what should I do to you? Whatever you wish. However, I was there. They enter the house, they dismiss the crowd, that make comments on the words they heard, and they sit down to supper. Peter is still inquisitive. Master, will there really be a son? Have you ever seen me promise things which do not come true? Do you think that I would take the liberty of using the confidence in the Father to lie and deceive? No, but could you do that to all married couples? I could, but I do it only where I see a son can be an incentive to holiness. 
I did not do it where it would be a hindrance. Peter ruffles his grizzled hair and becomes quiet. The shepherd Joseph comes in. He is covered in dust like one who has walked a long way. You, why are you here? asked Jesus after a greeting kiss. I have some letters for you. Your mother gave me them, and one is from her. Here they are. And Joseph hands him three small rolls of a kind of thin parchment tied with a little ribbon. The largest one is also sealed. The second one has only a knot. The third one shows a broken seal. This one is from your mother, says Joseph, pointing at the one with the knot. Jesus unfolds it and reads it, first in a low voice and then aloud. To my beloved son, peace and blessings. A messenger from Bethany arrived here at the first hour of the calends of the month of Elul. It was the shepherd Isaac to whom I gave the kiss of peace and refreshments in your name, and out of gratitude on my part. He brought me these two letters which I am sending to you, and he told me that your friend Lazarus of Bethany presses you to consent to his request. My beloved Jesus, blessed Son and Lord, I also have two things to ask you. One is to remind you that you promised me to call your poor mother to instruct her in the word. The other is that you should not come to Nazareth without speaking to me first. Jesus stops all of a sudden. He stands up and goes towards James and Judas. He embraces them tightly and ends repeating by heart the words, Alpheus has returned to the bosom of Abraham at the last full moon, and great was the mourning of the town. The two sons weep on Jesus' chest, who goes on. At the last hour he wanted you, but you were far away. But it is a consolation for Mary, who considers it a sign of God's forgiveness, and it must give peace also to my nephews. Have you heard? She says so, and she knows what she is saying, says Jesus. Give me the letter, implores James. No, it would hurt you. Why? What can it say more painful than the death of a father? That he cursed us, sighs Judas. No, not so, says Jesus. You say so, not to pierce us, but it is so. Read then. And Judas reads, Jesus, I beg you, and also Mary begs you, do not come to Nazareth until the morning is over. Their love for Alpheus makes the Nazarenes unfair towards you, and your mother cries because of that. Our good friend Alpheus comforts me and calms the town. The report by Azer and Ishmael on Chusa's wife caused a great stir, but Nazareth is now a sea agitated by different winds. I bless you, my son, and I ask your peace and blessing for my soul. Peace to my nephews, mother. The apostles make their comments and comfort the weeping brothers, but Peter says, Are you not reading those? Jesus nods assent and opens Lazarus' letter. He calls Simon Zealot. They read together in a corner. Then they open the other one and read it as well. They discuss between themselves, and I see that the Zealot endeavors to persuade Jesus about something, but he is not successful. Jesus, with the rolls in his hand, comes to the center of the room and says, Listen, friends, we are one family and there are no secrets among us, and if it is compassion to conceal evil, it is justice to make good known. Listen to what Lazarus of Bethany writes. To Lord Jesus, peace and blessing, and peace and health to my friend Simon Zealot. I received your letter, and servant as I am, I placed my heart, my speech, and all my means at your service to make you happy, and to have the honor of not being a useless servant. I went to Doris, to his castle in Judea, 
to ask him to sell me his servant Jonah as you wish. I confess that if I had been requested by Simon, a faithful friend on your behalf, I would not have faced that mocking, cruel, impious jackal. But for you, my master and friend, I feel I can face also mammon, because I think that who works for you is near you and consequently is protected. And I have certainly been helped because, contrary to expectations, I won. The discussion was a hard one and his first refusals humiliating. Three times I had to bow down to that powerful slave driver. Then he forced me to wait some days. At last, here is the letter. It befits the asp that he is. And I almost dare not say to you, give in to gain your ends, because he is not worthy to have you. But there is no other way. I accepted on your behalf, and I signed. If I did the wrong thing, rebuke me. But believe me, I tried to serve you as well as I could. Yesterday, a Judean disciple of yours came, stating that he came in your name to find out whether there was any news to be taken to you. He said he was Judas of Cariath, but I preferred to wait for Isaac to send the letter. And I was surprised that you had sent someone else, since you know that Isaac comes here every Sabbath to rest. I have nothing else to tell you. Only kissing your holy feet, I beg you to bring them to your servant and friend, Lazarus, as promised by you. Health to Simon, to you, master and friend, a kiss of peace and a prayer for blessing. Lazarus. And now the other one. Jesus reads the other letter. I decided you will have Jonah for twice the amount, but I make the following terms and I will not change them for any reason. I want Jonah to finish the harvest of the year, that is, he will be handed over at the moon of Tishri, at the end of the moon. I want Jesus of Nazareth to come personally to take him, and I will ask him to enter my house, that I may meet him. I want payment immediately after signing the contract. Goodbye, Doris. What a pest, shouts Peter. But who is paying? I wonder how much he wants, and we, we are always without a farthing. Simon is paying, to make me and poor Jonah happy. He is buying only the wreck of a man who will not serve him at all, but he gains great merit in heaven. You? Oh! They are all surprised. Even Alpheus's sons forget their sorrow because of their amazement. It is he. It is just that it should be known. It would also be just if it were known why Judas Iscariot went to Lazarus. Who sent him, did you? But Jesus does not reply to Peter. He is very grave and pensive. He comes out of his meditation only to say, Give some refreshment to Joseph and then let us go and rest. I will prepare a reply for Lazarus. Is Isaac still at Nazareth? He is waiting for me. We shall all go. No, your mother says they are all in utter confusion. Be quiet. That is what I want. My mother speaks with her loving heart. I judge with my reason. I prefer to do it while Judas is away, and I want to hold out a friendly hand to my cousins, Simon and Joseph, and mourn with them before the morning is over. We will then go back to Capernaum, to Genesaret, that is, to the lake, awaiting the end of the month of Tishri, and we will take the Marys with us. Your mother needs affection. We will give it to her, and mine needs peace. I am her peace. Do you think that at Nazareth? asked Peter. I do not think anything. Oh, well, because if they should hurt her, or cause her sorrow, they will have to deal with me, says Peter, completely upset. Jesus caresses him, but he is lost in thought. He is sad, I would say. He then goes between Judas and James and sits down, embracing them to comfort them. The others speak in low voices, not to disturb their sorrow. 
and the vision ends. Mm-hmm.